I'd like to welcome on the show our next podcast guest, September Burton. She is a fertility expert and abuse survivor. September started her career as a U.S. Navy personal chef to four-star admirals stationed in Sicily, Italy. She also is the founder and CEO of Four Months to Fertile, working with couples and mothers struggling with primary or secondary infertility, and she is the organizer of the first ever Colorado Fertility Conference. Welcome to the show, September. Hi, Claire. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course, of course. Thank you for coming on. So we're just going to jump in. Let's start with learning a little about yourself and where you're from and what do you do now for a living? Um, so I'm from Colorado, um, and like you know, like you said, I was I was running the Colorado Fertility Conference while I was there, um, and I'm actually getting that started back up again. Even though I'm not in Colorado right now, I'm still in hiding. Um, hopefully, you know, one day soon I will be able to come out of hiding. But um, <laughs> but yeah, for the time being, I'm still working on the Colorado Fertility Conference, and then I do a lot with um, Hawaii surrogacy, working on nutrition for um, a lot of their surrogates and intended parents. Wow, so you have a lot on your plate, it sounds like. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and you were raised in Colorado, is that correct? Um, I was actually raised mostly in California. Um, oh. I moved to Colorado in 2011. So, gotcha. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So jumping into your story, if you don't mind, can you tell us a little about your situation that inspired all of what you're doing now for abuse advocacy? Yeah. So um, I was with an abuser for about five years. I actually did it twice because I didn't learn my lesson the first time. Um, I didn't. Uh, the nice thing that happened at the end of the second relationship was that he, it's actually kind of funny now because he looked at me one day and he was like, you need therapy. And so I was oh, like, no. right, I'm going to go get a therapist. And so yeah. I did. I went and found an amazing, wonderful therapist who instantly saw what was really going on and, and was able to help me be able to see what was going on and, and see the abuse. And, um, and then I was able to kind of put a name to it. You know, obviously she met him once and so she can't obviously diagnose him but i was able to put um, narcissism to a lot of his behavior and when i started researching narcissism and reading some books on it things like that it was like oh my gosh like how do they know my life and so i did a lot of educating myself on narcissism i think if i had learned about that after the first relationship i wouldn't i would have seen the red flags and wouldn't have done it the second time um, but unfortunately, I didn't seek a therapist the first time, and so there was nobody to kind of help me to be able to see what what type of abuse that was that I was that I experienced in the first relationship. Right. So yeah. So you said there were two situations, and yes, narcissism goes hand in hand with abuse. I also didn't know that until I you know got into the podcast, started researching a lot. But yeah, it's something that not many people know. Could you let our listeners know a little about the definition of narcissism, possibly? Yeah, narcissistic personality disorder is like they they're they're empty shells of human beings and they come off as so charming and you know they're so yes. wonderful and but what they do is they like look so deeply and intently into your eyes and they figure out all of your weakest points and then and, you know once they start to turn on you um they they use every single one of those things that they learned about you all of the trust that you gave them everything that they learned in the deepest most intimate moments they completely throw it in your face um and use it against you so as long as you're feeding their ego and you're telling them how wonderful they are and you know that they're they're god and you know they're they're kings and things like that then you're good you're safe you're not going to be right. um, you are being groomed but um but they're not going to turn on you 
but if you start to see through the mask and you start to say, hey, I have needs too, um, then that's when they're going to start to turn on you and they use gaslighting techniques, which, you know, gaslighting is anything that causes you to question your reality. So lying, you know, any, a good example that I like to use is at, at the end of the relationship, actually after we had separated, my girls came home one day and their hair had been trimmed. It wasn't like a, a haircut, but it had been trimmed. And so I sent an email to him and his mother and stepmother and said, hey, can you guys just communicate with me? Like, please right. just let me know if you're going to cut my kid's hair. Um, and the response that I got back from his mother was, well, it didn't look to me like they had had haircuts. So that's gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Saying, yep. well, you're wrong. That's gaslighting. Exactly. Yeah, very well said. So going back to your personal story, how old were you when you met this guy? Were you guys married? How did it all start? The first story, I was 24 when we met. Um, We got married. um, I was 24 when we got married. We had our first baby. I was 25. Um, I was just very naive. I had been raised very religious and very sheltered. And, you know, I didn't I didn't know that people treated other people this way. I was just extremely naive. And, you know, by the end of the relationship, he was physically abusive and he was he was pretty rough, so. Really? So how far along in the relationship did you notice these red flags? Did you notice right away or did it take a while? No, honestly, I didn't even really, except for the physical abuse, I didn't know anything was going on with the emotional and psychological abuse until after the second one. Um, just because I didn't, didn't research, didn't learn, didn't study, you know? I see. Yes. So he physically abused you, emotionally abused you. Can you give maybe some examples of what he would do to you? Um, the first one, I have a lot more clarity on the second one, just because there's such a big time gap there. Sure. And I, you know, I did a lot of healing and a lot of self work on myself in between the relationships, but, um, I, yeah, I just, I don't. I don't remember. I think I just kind of blocked a lot of that relationship out. And that's perfectly fine. That's healthy for you to do. Um, So we can move on to the second relationship. Coming out of that first abusive relationship, I'm sure you had healing to do that you haven't yet. Did you jump in before you had completely healed to the second relationship? No, and that's kind of what's interesting in my situation is that um, I didn't actually just jump in. I... When he left, I was 11 weeks pregnant with our fourth child. And so I, you know, I wasn't, didn't have much of a social life. I wasn't really going out. Definitely wasn't dating. I wasn't going to date while I was pregnant. Um, And so I really stayed home and worked on me. And so when I didn't have the other kids, I was just alone. And I really spent a lot of time getting to know myself um, and, and doing a lot of healing work like meditation and a lot of that kind of stuff, learning about my ancestors, um, and just really getting to know myself. Um, and so it was about a year and a half before I even met the second one. So it wasn't like a quick jump in thing, but it wasn't long enough, obviously. So you took a bit of time, you jumped in, where did you meet this man and how far along was it till you guys started dating? So we met at a networking event and um, when we first met, we became friends and I I saw him as like a drinking buddy. Um, and, And then, you know, about three months after we started spending time together was when we actually started dating. But when I say spending time together, it was probably like once every other week or so that we would go out for a couple of years. Um, so it's not like we were spending a lot of time together. Um, 
And so it was probably about three months of that. And then we got into the dating scene and the dating definitely moved too quickly. Um, that's something that I've had to process because in a, a lot of times I'll say, no, it didn't seem like it was a relationship that moved that quickly. But now looking back, it, it did. Um, I, I got too attached to him too quickly. It's kind of a red flag and a dangerous thing. So you started getting attached quickly, moving fast. That is pretty common when it comes to abusive relationships. You just jump in when you don't even know the person deeply enough. Did you guys move in? When did you, you know, when did you see these red flags with this relationship? I mean, the red flags started fairly quickly. Um, we didn't move in together for a while. We didn't actually move in together until after I got pregnant. And that pregnancy was planned. Um, he, you know, I already had kids. He did not have kids and he wanted a biological child. And so he asked me to have a child with him after watching me as a mother for a very long time. And so I didn't move in with him until after I got pregnant. But the red flags that did start right away were things like, um, I remember one night I was at his house and he had some friends over and we were playing a game and it was like a strategy game and I just didn't care. Like I just didn't, wasn't into the game. I was just there to have a good time. And so I wasn't even really trying in right. the game. And then I made a move that I guess he was impressed with. And he was like, oh, I'm so glad she's learning. And that was so humiliating to me. Yeah. Like, you can't humiliate somebody you say you care about in front of, I mean, anywhere, but especially publicly. And so that was probably the first, like, massive, like, red flag. Like, he just humiliated me in front of other people. When someone humiliates you, it kind of just sets you back. You're just like, who are you? You know, why would you do that to me? It can really take a knock on your self-esteem as well. Aside from that, were there more red flags after that? Did he physically hurt you or was it emotional? Um, the physical stuff didn't start until our daughter was about six months old. It was the first time that he pinned me down to the bed. Um, and so that, that was a little bit later that that started. Um, he definitely used sex as a way to overpower, but not, um, it's kind of an interesting dynamic. Have you, have you watched the show Big Little Lies? No, but I have heard about it. Yes. It's, it's hard to watch. It, it was extremely triggering, but, um, the Nicole Kidman character and kind of the sexual relationship that he, she has with her husband in that show is kind of mirrors what it was like for me. Um, I thought that it was passionate and wonderful. And then, but looking back from a different, through a different lens and understanding domestic abuse and power and things like that, I see our sexual relationship very differently than I did when I was in it. Yeah. So you definitely, sex is a way to overpower. Yes, and that is again, you know, a common denominator when it comes to abusive relationships. People don't think about the sexual abuse, but I feel like most people that have come on this show has brought up sexual abuse as well being a factor in their relationships. So it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, you're in a bubble. You don't really realize till after you look back on it, for sure. I worked with a, a second therapist just for a very short time. Um, and she taught me, one of the things that she said was that makeup sex is actually about power. When he, when he goes for makeup sex, he's really trying to take back his power. 
Um, and so that was a very interesting perspective because everybody always thinks that makeup sex is so passionate. And so right. Helpful. And when you think about it, I mean, how degrading is it that you spilled your heart out to someone, you were probably in an argument, you were on this emotional level, and then suddenly it's like, oh, take off your clothes. Yeah. You know, it's kind of degrading and people don't realize that, but it is a very popular thing in relationships. So moving forward um, in this second relationship, you have a child with him. I mean, this is super serious. Um, how far along was it before you had kind of a tipping point where you felt like oh no like this relationship isn't what I thought it was and I don't think I want to be a part of it anymore so I I knew I was being abused and actually one of my girlfriends um she saw that I was being abused too and it's kind of interesting and this is one of the messages that I really want to get out there um so with this girlfriend of mine we went to lunch one day and um we were I was talking to her and just kind of venting to her about some of the struggles that we were having in our relationship. And she said, I'm going to get on Amazon right now and I'm going to order you a book and have it sent to your house. Well, the title of the book was The Emotion, the Verbally Abusive Relationship. And, um, and so obviously she saw that I was being abused and she's buying me a book like that. But the message that I think is important here is, you know, as women, we're taught, hey, if he ever lays a hand on you, you get out of that relationship, right? Right now, you get out, right? Right. Um, but we don't talk about that with, like, emotional and psychological abuse. And I think that we need to because, you know, we're taught, well, you go, you go to a therapist, you go get help, you, you know, you do this, you do whatever it takes to make the relationship work. And there's kind of this, as long as he's not physically abusing you, then it's all going to be okay. It's all workoutable. And that, I think, is extremely dangerous. Now, coming out of that and being on the other side of it, I think that's extremely dangerous. That's such a good point because it kind of trails back to just mental health awareness, how we don't treat you know, our mental health like a broken bone. We don't run to the doctor. We don't just leave that situation and make ourselves better. It's kind of just unsaid, like, deal with it you know, make it work in the marriage. Yeah, it can be extremely toxic. So I love that point. Earlier in our communications on email, I love the quote that you mentioned. Um, you said, I believe it must be my fault that I was being abused and that only if I were better, smarter, skinnier, quieter, wealthier, and so many more errs, then he would stop abusing me and we could be happy together. Can you please let listeners know how important it is to get out of this mindset and not feel like it's your fault for being abused? Well, one of the hardest parts about this type of abuse is that they lead you to believe that you are crazy. And they, by the grooming and by all of the, the psychological abuse that they do, and they do it so covertly and so slowly over time, um, they you end up thinking that everything is your fault. And so when they do something that's an asshole move, you know, it's your fault and you end up apologizing. Um, one of the, an example of that is um, one day we were, we had just come home from a cruise or a vacation um, and I was pregnant with our first child and we're sitting in an airport restaurant with, um, he's an attorney and so there's another attorney from his firm and then one of his paralegals um, yes. who was a woman and we're sitting in the restaurant with them and he turns to the woman, his paralegal, and says, um, so makes some comment about the seashell scratch and sniff tattoo on her inner thigh and how that reminded him of the ocean. And I was just like disgusted, of course, um, one, right. sexual harassment of one of his employees, but two, like to say something like that in front of your pregnant significant other is just horrifying. So, but what ended up happening 
was I apologized to him because he was mad at me because the other attorney turned to me and he looked at me and he said, September, are you sure you want to be with this guy? And I, you know, almost in tears at that moment, I said, I'm already pregnant. Like I felt completely trapped. I felt like I had no way out. Um, and then he got mad at me for saying I'm already pregnant rather than accepting responsibility for the disgusting comment he had just made. He got mad at me and I ended up apologizing. And so that's one of the things that they do to you is they lead you to believe that everything is your fault. It's just pure manipulation. Moving forward, do you remember the day when you left that relationship? And I'm sure this is going to be very inspiring to other people in abusive relationships, especially ones who have children or are pregnant like you were. How did you go about escaping the situation? So actually I didn't. He was the one to leave. Um, that's the next part of a narcissist is that they do what's called a discard. Um, and discarding you is basically like they're, they're done. You're not feeding their ego anymore. And so they're just gone. Um, usually they've got somebody else already lined up. Another source of their narcissistic supply is already lined up. Um, so he was the one to leave and, um, it wasn't, and I was still holding on to, well, you know, things just got out of control and, you know, in another year we'll try again and then we can be together and we'll be happy and everything will be fine, but we just need some breathing time. And that was the conversation that was happening between the two of us. And so it was, I mean, it was my therapist who really was the one who was able to help me see. And I saw her every single week, never missed a session. Um, and she just, just kept, kept working on it, like, and build, rebuilding my strength. And so after he had been gone for a little while and I started to see the reality of what had happened and the abuse, and I started to remember who I was before I got into that relationship and regain my strength and things like that, that's when I cut him off because for a while he was still like over at night respects and you know basically just using me at that point um and so you know that's when i i got to a point where i cut him off and just said no that's it i'm done i don't i want nothing to do with you so it, it took a long time and it was a very gradual process so i don't know that i have good advice for anybody listening other than you know just trust your instincts if i trusted my instincts i would have been out of that relationship so long way before any of this happened yeah it's the gut feeling that we always ignore but it's the one that you should listen to and i'm sorry that happened to you it does take a lot of strength and courage to leave a situation like that and better yourself for people listening other than therapy is there anything else that you would give as advice into healing and becoming you know, your whole self you know i think that the biggest thing and this is almost becoming a cliche at this point but it's so true is it's the self-love piece it's get to know yourself and fall in love with yourself um there's so many different techniques to use to really start to get to know yourself um i use meditation a lot um I still do a lot of meditation and for me it makes a world of difference. It calms down the brain waves that are just going crazy and, and it helps me. Um, but there's so many other techniques out there, so many other ways to love yourself. And it really, at the end of the day, that's what it's about because you get into these relationships because something is missing in you. And so if you can, if you can start to meet your own needs, then you're not looking outward for somebody else to meet your needs. And they tell me, I will not claim to be an expert on healthy relationships, but, um, you know, they say that that's when you attract a real genuine human being who's capable of empathy and who is capable of a healthy, true relationship. So, um, 
So I think just working on yourself, just really, really focusing on being the best version of you and making yourself better every day. My story is so horrific with all of the stalking and the craziness with corruption because he's an attorney and all of that kind of stuff, but there's definitely a book there. But um, that'll come. Right now I'm getting my story out on my blog, doing podcast interviews, just trying to really help other people, um, you know, see the red flags and be able to get out as quickly as possible so that this, I mean, it's an epidemic at this point, these types of relationships and these types of abusers, it's truly an epidemic. So, um, so we're really just trying to spread the word, educate people and say, take care of you so that you have the strength to get out. And I agree. It is an epidemic and the legal standpoint with domestic abuse is horrible. I personally was raised around domestic abuse with my parents. Police can't really do much about it. You know, if you don't have hardcore proof, if they're not the scene. Yeah, it's just, it is very hard, but I'm glad that you're spreading awareness. We need more people like you in this world. I guess my last question that I would like to ask you is if you could give your 10 year old self who is standing in front of you right now, what is the advice you would give her? I would tell her, one, you're, you're going to make me cry, one, that everything always works out. So just be patient, um, let it work itself out, and two, take care of you. Oh, you're, you're going to make me it. cry. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a powerful question because you literally visualize yourself and you see that all the things you went through in that time span um, as a child to an adult now, but... You're very inspiring, and I want to thank you so much for coming on today as a guest. Um, I know sharing your voice is super hard. It takes a lot of courage, but it will impact all the listeners out there. And I know people listening to this are going to give so much great feedback and want to connect with you. So thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. And I really feel like um, for, I think a lot of people, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people sharing your story is a big part of your healing journey. And so you know, part of this is self-serving because it is a little bit of my healing, my personal healing journey is to get out there and speak. So I really appreciate you giving me the space to be able to do that. Of course. And I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you.